Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Before we begin, if you like what you hear on Mile High Report Radio Podcast, don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, and go ahead and click subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Mile High Report Radio with your hosts, Adam Malnati and Ian St. Clair. Get involved with the Denver Broncos conversation at milehighreport.com. And now, it's time to get to work. All right, Ian, it's a, it's a weird sort of slow, um, fast time as far as news goes. There's not a lot of news, but there's definitely a lot to talk about with the Denver Broncos, which is sort of where everybody is at with every sport. Uh, and everything, but at least the NFL is uh, staying on a bit of a schedule for us so that we have some things that we can go over and discuss, and uh, we know that some things are coming up, and, and there are definitely things that we can talk about, uh, even though we're all, we are, just like everyone else in this world, in, including the Broncos scouts and coaches, sitting at home essentially just watching Netflix and film and those kinds of things. And I, I'm one of the few people who thinks that it's it's a good thing that the NFL is going forward with the draft. I mean, that they're not putting anyone in harm's way by doing it. They're doing it completely um, virtually or digitally, however you want to describe it, as that came out on Tuesday. Uh, Adam Schefter and the, the other reporters from NFL Network said that that's what the plan is uh, for the draft coming up in a couple of weeks. Instead of holding it in Las Vegas, they're just going to do it completely virtually. And so they won't be phoning it in. They will be zooming it or hanging it out. Hanging it out. Yeah. Ooh, hang it out there. Could you imagine if that's what had happened with Bradley Chubb, if they just hung it out there? If you hang out Chubb, you never know yeah. what's going to happen. You're going to have to grab it, and that's what Elway did with the number five pick. You know, I will say, and I just not that we're going to linger on this topic, but I, I do know that there was some images that were, were put out there of a, a rendered sort of – visual of what the draft was going to look like in Vegas with a boat delivering the draft picks to the dock inside the Bellagio fountain. And they were going to walk up on this thing. I, I kind of wish they were still doing that because I, I would have been very hopeful that one of those draft picks would have fallen into the fountain and, you know, gotten all wet. Or I imagine a scenario where one of them would have been so excited they would have picked up Roger Goodell, hugging him with all their might and jumping into the fountain with him. There are some funny things that could have happened there that we are going to miss out on. And and quite frankly, I'm a little bummed about that. But 
this is the safe way, the smart way. And so I'm fine with it. And it's going to serve as a good distraction. I mean, like I said, no one, no one is going to be put in harm's way. Uh, the fact that they're not going to be doing it publicly in a public place. Um, we can get into this later about if we think it's actually going to work. If you can have 32 teams that are going to be able to do this, but I, I think it's a, I think it's a good thing. I think I, I get the optics of it with everyone that we're getting into the point now with this coronavirus and COVID-19 where we could be getting into the, the dire weeks coming up between now and, and the draft is when it could be some of the hot spots. Uh, I don't think we know enough yet. I think we're not going to get into that because neither of us are scientists, even though we did stay at a hotel six hotel, six but, holiday Inn, whatever. I, well, not either last, way, not last night, a holiday Inn <laughs> express. There you go. I have not last. I've been at home. I've, I've, I've been getting dumber by the, by the minute it feels like. So, no, we, we're not experts, so we're not. I'm not even going to offer an opinion on what I think is going to happen because I'm I'm just as much an idiot as everybody else when it comes to this. And uh, the only the only thing I will say is we I think are are both on the side of better better to play it safe and come out of this looking like chicken littles than to play it fast and loose and come out of this dead uh, because no one wants to come out of this dead, which is what is happening around the country anyway. So uh, you know we want to we want to make sure that we're focused on on the football news and the things that we do know what we can talk about. Cause we can't offer any real opinions that matter. So speaking of that, let's go ahead and segue into foot to football stuff. And uh, you sent me a link to uh, an article by Mike Kliss, uh, Mike Kliss, Denver Broncos insider. Um, and he uh, put out a list of the nine, I guess the, the title of it, just to just kind of give him credit here, nine candidates for Broncos number 15 overall pick in 2020 NFL draft. So there's the title. If you want to go search it up and, and look for it and read through it, you definitely can. We're going to go over some of the picks that he's got in here, some of the options and, and just kind of give our own take on it. But uh, his first few, I, I think there's a, a theme here, Ian, that's sort of my, feeling on as you know as I look through it there's definitely a theme as far as what Mike Kliss and and many people in Broncos country think the Denver Broncos are going to do with their pick and eight of the picks four of them are receiver four of them are cornerback and one is a tackle from Georgia Andrew Thomas who won't be there so we can get the the tackle out of the way that's probably a dream pick uh i don't I mean, think if he would. was there I, I and i don't even think that they would pick him even if he was there oh no that's so, an interesting thought so let's let me ask you that or let me look i guess you already said it but why do you think that is why do you think that if, if andrew thomas was there who is is i i don't want to say consensus but is considered by many to be the best tackle in the draft or one of the best why wouldn't they take him because I I do think that the bigger need is weapons for Drew Locke. I, I think when we had Benjamin Albright on our podcast to preview free agency, he laid out the statistics on the five games that Drew Locke started with Garrett Bowles as the left tackle. And he was actually pretty good. Not Locke, Garrett Bowles. I think he had three penalties. So he he did not he did not play like Garrett Bowles in those five games. And it's something that I mentioned to to Ben, and that's because of Drew Locke. I think to have that competent quarterback play really helped Garrett Bowles, which he has not had since he's been in the NFL as a left tackle for the Broncos. So they want to see what they have. They want to give him the ability to have a second offseason and a second season with Mike Munchak and Chris Cooper and to have a competent quarterback in Drew Locke. So that's why I think they would pass, even if Andrew Thomas is there, and I don't think he will be. I mean, that would be like Isaiah Simmons being there. Don't do that. You know how I feel about that. <laughs> I think the greater need is weapons, which is why you see Mike Kliss listing four receivers with four cornerbacks. And I have said this the last couple of weeks, I am all in on Henry Ruggs the third from Alabama. If they're able to get Henry Ruggs, I think this completely transforms the offense. 
Yeah, it's, I think it's a really uh, it's a really smart way to look at it. Um, I, I don't even know that Henry Ruggs is the best receiver in this draft, and I and I'm not saying that at, from a place of uh, expert knowledge. Just but just based on the information that I've seen out there and, and the news that sort of is presented to me, obviously there are some very good receivers. This is a deep draft, uh, and you know when you talk about um, you know Henry Ruggs, Ceedee Lamb, Jerry Judy, those are your, sort of your top three receivers and those are Mike Kliss's top three uh, wide receivers on this list that he's presented. I, I'm not sure Henry Ruggs is number one on the list, but I think he is number one on the Broncos list for the purpose of what he can do for this offense. And that, and that's where you get into this idea of fit. Uh, and we've talked about fit before as well. When we had Cecil Lammy on a few, oh gosh, feels like forever ago now. Uh, the, one of the things that we talked about was the importance of fit into the scheme. And I think with those three wide receivers, the margin for error or the difference between the three is minuscule. It's not that big a difference. And so then you have to look at which one of these guys makes this team better. And to me, it is Henry Ruggs based on uh, his his 40 time. Obviously, you want a guy who's who can just burn people. Not to say that, that Judy or, or Lamb are slower than him. I, I know that you're splitting hairs with their speed. He's also, as Trevor Sikama told us when we had him on the show, he's he's not afraid of contact. He goes after the ball. He goes after people, which we both like. And so I think for what this Broncos offense needs, you're absolutely right. Henry Ruggs is the best fit at wide receiver in this draft. Does that mean they have to go wide receiver? No, I don't think it does. Uh, again, this is a very deep draft at wide receiver, so they probably could wait if they wanted to. But... To me, and this is something we've also talked a lot about, there's a guy that you want and you really feel like he's going to make the team better and he's going to fit your scheme and he's going to be an improvement over what you have, then you go get him. You know, we, we talked about that with Baker Mayfield a few years ago. Not not to say that Baker Mayfield was uh, necessarily going to, to, you know, sort of end up being a, a star player and he's had his struggles and I'm not going to get into that. But if John Elway really wanted... Baker Mayfield and really was in love with him as a, as a draft pick, then John Elway should have made a draft trade, should have done what he could to get Baker Mayfield. And obviously that draft ended up sort of working out as I think we all know, we love the astronaut Bradley Chubb. Uh, so fantastic. Let's do it. But uh, if you want a guy, go get him. And if Henry Ruggs is their guy, then I, I think that's who they should go after and that they should do everything they can to make sure that he's wearing orange and blue on Sundays for the Denver Broncos. And one of the guys that some in Broncos country are starting to like, Brandon Quinn, loves Jerry Judy. And he's told both you and I that, or you and me, yeah, it'd be you and me. Yeah, English lesson, there you go, fantastic. That he he would take either of them, but he's leaning Jerry Judy right now. And I I totally get it. And as Cliss did, he listed... Henry Ruggs first, and then C.D. Lamb first. So you're getting to a point where it is about fit. And I think one of the reasons that I I would pick Henry Ruggs is how often he scores touchdowns when he touches the ball. And I would have to go back and, and double check on it, but I, I believe it's like one in four, one out of every four catches or something like that. Henry Ruggs turns into a touchdown, according to Albright. That's what this offense needs. When you go back and you look and listen to everything John Elway and Vic Fangio have said since the end of the 2019 season with their season-ending news conference, up through all of this, it's to score touchdowns. And Henry Ruggs does that better than any receiver in this draft. Yeah, I, I I think that you're you're definitely going in the right way as far as what the Broncos need, and and that has been the struggle. Let's face it, the Broncos have struggled to put points on the board since the 2014 season. Right at the end of that 2014 season, they struggled as well, and so through most of 2015, the year that they won the Super Bowl, they weren't very good offensively. They just had an incredibly solid defense, one of the best defenses in the history of the NFL, and ever since then it's been a struggle to find 
ways to score. And they've they've had games where they've put points on the board, but they haven't consistently scored points. And and I don't know uh, the numbers off the top of my head, but their average point total is really close to like the very bottom of the NFL over the course of the last five seasons. And if that's if that's something that you're going to fix, then like you said, one of the ways to fix that is putting weapons in and around your young second year starting quarterback who is going to be developing. Drew Locke is not going to be a polished quarterback in his second season. There's no reason for anybody to expect him to be the best quarterback in the NFL. He's going to have a lot of work to do. And so making sure that he has places to go with the football will be paramount to his success and to his improvement as he grows as an NFL quarterback. And I I can already hear people shouting, well, the Broncos need to shore up that offensive line. And the point that you made about Garrett Bowles and and this offensive line is really an interesting one. I don't think Denver needs to reach for an offensive tackle or a guard or a center or anything like that because I feel like Drew Locke as a quarterback makes the offensive line better. And we've talked about that. We talked about it with Peyton Manning and how he made the offensive line better while Trevor Simeon did not, right? This is a comparison. And if you look at the way that Joe Flacco played last season in 2019, it was apparent that he didn't help his offensive line in any way. And that made them worse. It made Garrett Bowles look worse than he, than he actually is. Not to say that he's really good because we don't believe that either. But Drew Locke makes his offensive line a little bit better. And then giving him weapons to throw at? I I don't see where the downside is to that. And so you don't have to reach for a tackle because you're 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 not sold on on Garrett Bowles. That's not what you're doing here. What you're doing here is you're shoring up that offense when it comes to scoring points. Because if you can put points on the board, Vic Fangio's defense is going to keep teams out of the end zone. That is not a concern for this Broncos team heading into 2020. And so weapons, 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 points, points, points. That is what the focus should be for this draft and for the next, for the foreseeable future at this point. It helps Cortland Sutton because if you have someone like a Henry Ruggs opposite of Cortland Sutton, you can't put your focus on Cortland Sutton. You can't put your focus on Noah Fant. You can't put your focus on Melvin Gordon and or Philip Lindsay. It makes it more difficult to defend the Broncos offense when you have somebody like Henry Ruggs. And I can't believe I'm saying this, but look at the Kansas City Chiefs when Tyreek Hill is on the field. And I get it. Broncos country hates the comparison to Tyreek Hill because of the human piece of garbage Tyreek Hill is. He's garbage. I would agree. But he but when you look at what he brings to the field, you're going to get that with Henry Ruggs minus all of the BS off the field. And that's what he has the potential to bring to this offense. And that's why for a lot of people, he's at the top of the list because that's what you have to do to compete with the Chiefs. That And that's that's the other thing you bring up that's really important. You're competing with the Chiefs here. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs are the kings of the AFC West, which I know hurts to say. I don't enjoy it, but it's just the truth, and you kind of got to live with it. And so you, you've got to match them at some point. And this defense is good enough as constituted – to hold the Chiefs to lower than their average point total, I think is maybe the best way to say that. I'm not. I mean, obviously they're gonna they're gonna score in bunches like they always do, but I think this defense is good enough to kind of hold them at bay a little bit. So you've got to compete with them offensively, and you've got to put points on the board. And that's what this that's what that's what this type of draft would do for the Broncos is it would help them put points on the board. But that doesn't mean that's the only option that they have. Right. So as you go through this list from from Mike Kliss, you, you'll notice the cornerbacks on the list and they're, and they're they're very good cornerbacks. He's got C.J. Henderson of Florida uh, as his number five option. And then Jeff Okuda as his number six option at cornerback. Uh, Okuda and, won't be there. And, and again, yeah, I think I think when you start to kind of go through, you go, well, who's going to be there? Who would be an option? I, I, I don't really know. I mean, it all depends on what happens in front of them. 
But the other name there is AJ Terrell or Terrell. It's a Terrell? Terrell? I don't know. It's been so long. Uh, out of Clemson. Uh, he's another fast, long cornerback who would, would probably fit well in an Ed Donatel-style defense, a Vic Fangio-style defense. So that would be another pick that would fit for the Denver Broncos. I just don't see them going defense with their first pick unless it's a surprise move to get a guy like Isaiah Simmons. I could see that as, as a defensive pick. If he was there or if he was close and and Elway felt like that was a move he could make, I think Elway would consider that. But I I don't think cornerback is a place that, that John Elway is going to go with his first pick in this, in this draft. I just don't. And unless a player like Akuda was there, I think that that might be the only way that he would go cornerback because the need for a weapon at number 15 is too great. And I think you mentioned Isaiah Simmons. And the reason that that is something worth discussing, because neither of us think he's going to be there. No, not at 15. at, at, At NFL Network draft expert Daniel Jeremiah had his latest mock draft out on Tuesday, and it had Isaiah Simmons at number 10 for the Cleveland Browns. That's not going to happen in any way, shape, or form. Is he going to be there at 10? But if he is, if he's there at 9, if he's there at 8, if he's there at 7, Elway needs to do whatever the hell it takes to get up to that spot and get him. Agreed. You get, you'll get no argument from me on that. You know how I am. Uh, I, I, I generally get, there's like one guy in each draft that I get really hyped about. Uh, you know, you remember your Roquan Smith's back in the day, that was a guy who, and I still believe he would have been very good in this Broncos defense and imagine what he would have done with Vic Fangio as his head coach now. Uh, oh wait, he had him as his defensive coordinator in Chicago. Yes, he did. And he played really well when he was, uh, with the bears still. So, I, I do think Roquan Smith would have been a good pick. Obviously, that's Elway doesn't pick middle linebackers. That's that's one thing that he would pick Isaiah Simmons because he, Isaiah Simmons would do something freak. that they haven't had since Al Wilson, and that's he can do it all. Everything. That's if right. you want to, you want to cover Travis Kelsey. You want to, you want to take that weapon away from Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid and the Chiefs. You get Isaiah Simmons. There it is. And again, he's my, he's my he's my draft crush and I know he's going to play for another team and I know it's going to be one of those, you know, heartbreaking moments for me and then I'll move on. I always do. Uh, and then next year I'll crush on Trevor Lawrence, but actually I probably won't because I'm I'm pretty uh, pretty ecstatic about uh, Drew Locke, which is great, which is exactly where we should be. So That's a it's good you're in that spot because you know where he's going to end up. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. That's not I don't for those, think he is. For those- for those who, who don't know, it's going to be the New England Patriots because, mm. as I've said, he doesn't have Tom Brady anymore. He's got, what, a guy named Stidham? Does he even have a, a – What do the Patriots have a starting quarterback at this point? I will say this. If they're able to do anything with Stidham and they, they, they still win the AFC East, I think we can end the discussion on who the GOAT is. Yeah, it's and Bill it's Belichick. not Tom yeah, Brady. It's Bill Belichick. I mean, I, I honestly, I think that I think that discussion's already over. I think we both know that that discussion is over, and it is Bill Belichick. And Tom Brady is not the greatest quarterback in the history of the NFL. He's number, I don't know, four, five. He's, I mean, he's top five. I'm fine with. He's that. not better than Peyton Manning. He's not better than Peyton Manning, and he's not better than John Elway. And all these people who I, I have to say this: we, we, we're on a tangent here. We haven't done a big tangent like this in a while. So here's one for you. I have seen lists recently that one in particular, and I can't remember who tweeted it out. And they're really, they don't matter to me because they're this stupid. They, they tweeted out a list of the greatest quarterbacks in the history of the NFL. And they gave like a top seven or eight. And then they skipped it down to the top to like the twenties or something. And they had John Elway at 21. If you watch John Elway play football and you look at his career and the teams that he was on and the, the things that he did on a football field, and you rank him as the 21st best quarterback in the history of the NFL, you immediately lose all credibility as an evaluator of talent in the NFL. You have no idea what you're talking about, and you probably should just, you know, I don't know, start covering badminton because you clearly don't know what football is. And that's that's just ridiculous to, to say or to think that John Elway is ranked anywhere outside the top five 
I mean, I know there's, you could probably make arguments to put him in the top 10 and maybe he's maybe anything outside the top five. You're, you don't understand football and you can, you can go now. That's, that's sort of how I feel about that. The fact that he was listed as one of the best quarterbacks in the top 100. I mean, what are we doing? What are we I mean, doing? and there are people who said that he shouldn't have been there. And I'm thinking, who would you put in his place? We have said this repeatedly before we even started recording our podcast. We've been doing this for 20 years. The only difference is we're recording it now and we're not drinking as much. We were saying back in 99, 20 years ago, you put Elway on the 49ers with Bill Walsh. They win at least eight Super Bowls. Look, Bill Walsh almost put John Elway on that team. If you watch that 30 for 30 Elway to Marino, you you see the notes by Elway's uh, agent at the time, and still his agent. I can't remember his name, and you'll remember, I'm sure. And yeah, I, I don't off the top of my head, I can't remember it. I can see his face. Him. I know because it's, it's Marino's agent and, too, and Marino's agent too, exactly. And one of the one of the notes that he had in there was that Bill Walsh was interested in a deal to to get Elway, but backed out because he felt like he wasn't done with what he had been doing with Joe Montana. But could you imagine if he had pulled the trigger on that? What would have happened to Joe Montana's career? What would have happened to John Elway's career? Joe Montana still would have been considered one of the greatest quarterbacks in the history of the NFL, but he wouldn't have been in this same discussion. Elway would absolutely be considered the best quarterback in the history of the NFL. It's it's that's just the truth. I'm sorry. You have to you have to either accept it or go away because this is th- these are facts. And I know they're not actually facts because it's just us speculating. But Bill Walsh wasn't against that trade so much as he just wasn't ready to move on from Montana at the time. I just, I just think of how good that team would have been if they had traded for John Elway. I, I don't, don't think about it. It'll make you sad. And then picture what the Broncos would have been with Joe Montana. Do you, on, do you honestly think that that Broncos team from 86 to 90 would have gone to three of four Super Bowls? with Joe Montana as the quarterback. I'll answer that for you. An emphatic, hell no, they wouldn't. John Elway carried those teams to three Super Bowls in four years. Literally. Yes, he did have some help from a barefooted kicker in Cleveland. I mean, he put him in position. But John Elway was the reason those teams went to three Super Bowls in four years. Yeah, you'll get no argument from me or, or probably anybody else listening to this. I mean, that's just just the truth. So, and the agent was Marvin Marvin Demhoff. Marvin Demhoff. That's I. You know, I could see him. I could. I mean, I, you know, I will say what I loved about that was that they had all of his notes and he kept copious amounts of notes. And so all of those dealings were like just right there. I mean, the the Raiders had a deal for. Could you imagine John Elway on the Raiders in the early '80s? Those teams in the early '80s. Yikes. You, I, I mean, the, the Raiders would have been incredibly good. And I don't remember why that deal fell through, but it was mostly because Al Davis is, Al is Davis? an awful person. And is you know, just I'll just leave it at that. I just We just don't like Al Davis. That's all. We just don't like Al Davis. All right. Anyway, what were we talking about? Didn't mean to. We, took us way off topic there. We were talking about the draft. Yes, we were talking about how Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots are going to get Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, that's all right. Let's be done with that. <laughs> I don't want to talk about that anymore. But yeah, I, I if and just to put this to bed, I I I believe Dave Gettleman and the Giants are going to take Isaiah Simmons with that number four pick. It's been talked about that he's in love with him. So and this is, apparently uh, Mara and uh, the other Giants owner have put uh, Dave Gettleman on notice that he's got to turn it around. So why would you not take the best player in the draft if you're able to take him? And that's Isaiah Simmons. So I think the giants are going to pick, are going to take him. So that will take that dream and it's pipe dream. Old water on it. It's pipe dream. And we know it's not going to happen, but sometimes it's fun to talk about, especially when you don't have a lot to talk about. So, uh, but I think the consensus here, as far as the Broncos goes, is it's about weapons on offense. It's about making sure that you, provide Drew Locke with somebody to throw the football to, somebody to give the football to, and, uh, you know, you just weapons on the field. And that, and that's that's what they're going to do. So uh, that being said, I, I think we can sort of 
put that draft talk to rest. You know how we we are not necessarily draft nicks. That's more of a that's that's other guys at, at the site who do that. I'm sure you've seen uh, some of Joe Roll's uh, mock drafts or all of them or thousands of them. There's many of them. He does a lot, which uh, okay, you know, he's got lots of time. He's got lots of time for those right now. Everybody's at home. Everybody's hanging out. As I joked on in my horse tracks on Sunday, you could fit my draft knowledge in the thimble from Monopoly. And that's because I want to stay married. And if I were to put in the the focus and the time and the effort to be a college football expert, I would not be married. There you go. See, you love your wife. And that's a good thing. I suppose that's, that's how it's supposed to be. So that works for me. Uh, there is some some actual Bronco news, though, that's kind of interesting uh, that uh, I definitely think we should talk about. Uh, and it has to do with the the NFL voting on the all-decade team for the 2010s, right? So 2010 to 2019, I guess, is, is that that's how they do it, right? It's so 10 to 19. I'm trying to remember here. So uh, two Denver Broncos make that list. Uh, Von Miller, who uh, is was an obvious lock for that. And then also Chris Harris Jr., who finds himself on the all-decade team, which is a huge, uh, a huge honor and something that while Chris Harris Jr. has moved on and is, is playing for the Los Angeles Chargers now, uh, we can still uh, be appreciative of the service that he, that he gave the Denver Broncos. He was a huge part of that no-fly zone, the defense that led that team to the Super Bowl in 2015. And so, you know, a big mile-high salute to him and to Von Miller as well, uh, both sort of showing their greatness and, and being recognized for the impact that they've had on, on the foot, on the NFL uh, for the entire decade. And there are two quotes. Von Miller did uh, a conference call with Denver media on Monday, and he was asked about probably the, the turning point, not just in his career, but in his life. And he was asked on if he was worried about where his career would go in 2013 and Vaughn said, 100%. I definitely thought about it. You know how some people say, take it one day at a time? I took it six hours at a time. I went to work and did what I had to do. Then I went home and did what I had to do. I made it small and achievable. Every day that passes, you can trust or you can lose it. I just tried to put it together a lot of, I just tried to put together a lot of good years just to try to learn from that. It was never a mistake. You just have to learn from that. I was young in my career. If I would have made the same mistake later in my career, it would have been different. I was young in my career, and I was able to be around a lot of great guys, a lot of great players. They helped me develop. Here we are today. It's a huge blessing. I'm very appreciative. I'm very appreciative and grateful to be here and still be a Bronco here. And we've touched on this. We've written about it. We've discussed it, talked about it. The main reason that it happened was the signing of Demarcus Ware. And the, fir- the first thing that Von Miller was asked was his reaction to making the NFL's 2020s all-decade team. Von said, it's incredible. I just try to take it one day at a time, take it one game at a time. The all-decade team is such a huge honor. I remember DeMarcus Ware. DeMarcus Ware got the all-decade team. I remember how much it meant to him and how important it was to him. Fast forward to now a couple years later, I'm doing the same thing. It's incredible. Everybody knows I've been trying to be like DeMarcus my entire career. To follow in his footsteps and get honors like this is incredible. And we've said it, Von Miller is not in this position if John Elway does not sign DeMarcus Ware in the, what, summer, the spring of 2013? 14, right? 14? 14. It was after the 2013 Super Bowl against uh, Seattle. And uh, Von Miller didn't play in that Super Bowl. He was injured. And uh, yeah, Demarcus Ware was a huge part of his development as a as a person. I think I think that's really uh, an important part of this is that Demarcus Ware, yes, was a was a big part of Von Miller's development as a football player, uh, and and showed him how to do things on the field uh, the right way, which which was something that he needed at the time. But he was also someone who showed him how to do things the right way off the field. Showed him more importantly, a, yeah, and that, and that really is more important. And and I always think about uh, Demarcus Ware's, uh, you know, sort of iron sharpens iron when they talked about that, and it really was a a thing that stands out as far as the turnaround in Von Miller's career, going from uh, a a troubled a, a troubled individual, not not too terribly troubled, but troubled somewhat, uh, having some issues, 
to really being a leader on this team, a leader on, on the Denver Broncos, uh, a player that, uh, that people look to a captain and somebody who has made an incredible impact on the league and on the NFL. And, and he's right to credit DeMarcus Ware with that. And, and I think that he was happy to do so. Obviously they love each other very much. And, and he's, he's, uh, he's in a very good position in his life and his career. And a big part of that was DeMarcus Ware. And so, we got to witness that as fans, and and really it is kind of uh, one of those things that we can be proud of. And I have, as my banner on my Twitter page, is a picture of uh, Bradley Chubb and Von Miller being coached up by DeMarcus Ware. And it's one of my favorite pictures because it shows how DeMarcus Ware is still having an impact on this Denver Broncos franchise and on the players who the Denver Broncos are bringing in and is still being someone who can uh, make this team better even though he's not on the field with them anymore. And, and I'm going to go back to this, and I know it's sort of a, uh, a pointless thing to t- uh, talk about, but he deserves to be on the Ring of Fame. I think he will be someday. They'll have to amend the rules for it, but he's earned a place up there, and, and I hope that they do that for him because he definitely deserves it. And a lot of credit goes to Von Miller because he did what was necessary for him to get his career and his life turned around because it really was heading in a perilous direction with the suspensions and the injuries, which probably didn't help his confidence or uh, being right mentally that probably didn't help. So a lot of credit goes to Von Miller for, for taking the onus on himself and doing it, but also listening to DeMarcus Ware. you have to be able to, it's, it's the oldest adage and cliche around, but the first step to admitting you have a problem is to admit it. And Von Miller did that. And he was able to, to, to put the onus on himself to see what needed to be fixed and changed. And he did it. And he also had the help of someone that he completely idolizes and respects, which is huge to have that on top of it. Just was everything that, that Von Miller and the Broncos needed. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then, Obviously, Chris Harris Jr., I, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about his journey a little bit as well. Uh, Chris Harris Jr., undrafted free agent. Coming into the league, uh, he learns under Champ Bailey for a couple of seasons and then really takes off and becomes one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL for an extended period of time. And uh, the thing that you can, I can guarantee you is if he lines up in the slot, that receiver is not catching the football. I mean, that just was the way that it was. And for a few years there, Chris Harris Jr. was a lockdown corner like the likes of Darrell Rivas and, uh, you know, Richard Sherman. And, uh, you know, I mean, there those types of players. So he was a lockdown corner. And you got to give Aqib Tlaib. I apologize, Aqib Tlaib. My bad if you're listening. Uh, also you, uh, who... I'm, I will say I'm a little surprised wasn't on the list. Maybe he snatched too many chains, I guess. And so, you know, he doesn't make the list. But Chris Harris Jr. Chris Harris Jr.'s journey, that was a tough one to say, to being on the all-decade team was not a straight line. It was not uh, something that was guaranteed. He came into the league and he put in the work and he, sh- he showed he belonged and he made sure that everybody knew who he was. And he had a huge impact and, again, was a major part of that defense that won the 2015 Super Bowl. So uh, kudos to him as well. And I know he's no longer with the Broncos, but uh, he's a future Ring of Famer, potentially a future Hall of Famer. I think he's got a shot. Making the All-Decade team helps, I guess. It doesn't help all the time. It took Steve Atwater several years, and he was on the All-Decade team as well. So, you know, you kind of take it with a grain of salt there. But it does help, and, and he does have a shot at that. And when he goes in, he'll go in, and I know they don't necessarily do this in the NFL this way, but he'll go in as a Denver Bronco uh, because that's where he's made his impact in the NFL. In terms of the the players who made the list, one was kind of surprising, and it was the quarterbacks. And obviously one of the quarterbacks is Tom Brady. That, that's not surprising. I think what was surprising was the second quarterback. It was Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. I thought it should have been Drew Brees. I think he is completely undervalued for what he did. I think I saw the stat on NFL Network where he threw for like 44,000 yards in the decade. That's yeah. nuts. That's pretty crazy. I, you know, it's it's interesting. Drew Brees is an interesting case study 
in the NFL of system versus player, right? I, I think you can we make the same argument with Tom Brady. Is it the system or is it the player? I don't believe that another a random quarterback could step into Drew Brees' shoes and perform as well as Drew Brees has. Uh, I do think that Drew Brees is uh, maybe just a, a step down as far as tiers go talent-wise, but you can't match his heart. You can't match his will. And he does things with the football that are uh, that are pretty incredible. I, it, it's one of those things, I think, at quarterback, and this is really interesting, we're, we are kind of living in an era that sort of mirrors that. Uh, remember that 83 draft and how great that draft was and, and some of the quarterbacks that were in that era, and, and not just 83 draft quarterbacks, but you can go back and talk about Warren Moon and, and what he did as a quarterback and Randall Cunningham, and you had, uh, you know, you're, you, just, you had Joe Montana and Steve Young, and there was, there was a, a group of quarterbacks in the early, mid to late 80s where you were like, dang, those are some good quarterbacks. Dan Marino and John Elway are, are not the only two on that list, right? Well, Bernie and, Kosar should be on the Bernie list. Bernie Kosar is. What he did yeah, with Cleveland. Absolutely. I, th- I apologize for, for getting you, Bernie, if I know you're listening out there. And uh, I think if you look at the recent history of the NFL, you have another sort of surge of quarterbacks that you can talk about with Peyton Manning and Tom Brady, obviously, but then also Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers. And, you know, you can even go back to your 2015 Cam Newton if you want to. And there's, I mean, so it's you, you kind of get these these eras in the NFL where you have these great quarterbacks that define an era. Drew Brees is a part of that. Is he better than Aaron Rodgers? I guess if you were asking me to start a football team and you gave me the choice between those two quarterbacks, I would probably take Aaron Rodgers. That doesn't mean that Drew Brees wouldn't have been a good choice. It just means that me personally, I would have taken Rodgers over Brees, which is why I didn't really have too much of a problem with it. Although I thought Peyton Manning should have been, you know, he should just, it should just be Peyton Manning, right? Well, I think if you base it on performance in the decade, because that's what it's about. It is. Uh, he won a Super Bowl. He uh, had the highest scoring offense in the history of the NFL. He had the most touchdown passes in a season in the NFL during that, that decade. I mean, the things that, that Peyton Manning did during the, the 2010s defined that decade just as much as anything that Tom Brady did. And and that battle that they had for their entire careers extended into the middle of that decade. I, I honestly think if if you put Peyton Manning on that list, maybe it's a little bit better. But I'm also biased. I'm a Denver Bronco fan, and so I, I, I digress. Well, I was actually talking about Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers, but no, I you know I I know, but I wanted to talk about Peyton Manning. I, I to me, I, I and the point of these lists is is always it's going to be subjective, but you I I just, I'm not convinced that Aaron Rodgers was better than Drew Brees for the 2020s decade. I just I'm not because Drew Brees has done insane things, and I think Drew Brees is one of those quarterbacks where you can put him in any system and he would do this. Now, obviously it helps to have a receiver like Michael Thomas. Absolutely. Michael Thomas is one of the best receivers, if not the best receiver in football. But when you're as consistent as Drew Brees has been, he's been more consistent than Aaron Rodgers. To me, that's not debatable. Yeah. I, I, I do think your point though, about weapons, when we talk about weapons with Drew Locke, the, the weapons that Drew Brees has had throughout this decade have, I think, been better than the weapons that Aaron Rodgers has had. And Aaron Rodgers has still put up similar numbers. Not not, not as good, obviously, uh, but, but close to. And he's won as many Super Bowls and almost uh, probably similar number of games, right? If you look at their records, they're probably very similar. So I think you're talking about a quarterback that's doing more with less instead of less with more. And they're sort of their record wise and numbers wise. They're probably similar enough that I can see why people would pick Aaron Rodgers over Drew Brees. And again, I, I, I go back to my own feeling on that. If, if you, if you put them on the field and I got to pick one or the other to start my team, I, I think I'm starting with Aaron Rodgers. I think I'm going to say, I'll take Aaron Rodgers. You can have Drew Brees and then we'll go from there. But, and, and I don't think either one of us will be worse, worse for wear. I think we'd both be pretty happy with our selection. I just, if I got to pick first, I would take Aaron Rodgers. And if you got to pick first, you would take Drew Brees. And I totally get that. I don't think 
I don't think either one of us is wrong. Well, actually, the quarterback who should be on the list and it is not is John Elway. Okay. So you think he, John Elway should be on the 2010s? And uh, 20s. How, how does 2000s, it 2010s, and 2020s. Just put John Elway on all of them? Yes. Okay. I'm fine with that. Agreed. You'll get no argument from me. <laughs> Definitely. In, term, in terms of the draft, we started off talking about how the NFL is going to do it completely virtually. So not at the team facilities because the team facilities are shut down. No one can get into the team facilities in the NFL. So that means the draft is going to be conducted from the 32 homes of the general managers. And one of the fears is there have been people hacking into Zoom teleconferences. And my thought is you're the National Football League. You can't get a secured Zoom teleconference. But I I'll, I will tell you, and I, I know you have a little experience with Zoom, and, and so do I. But I, as a, as a teacher, uh, with all this distance learning, we've been doing. Uh, we started off doing Zoom meetings. Now in my district, we have to do Google Meets or whatever because that's that's what the devices work on. I don't know; it doesn't matter. But we were doing some Zoom meetings, and I heard a couple of really interesting horror stories from uh, some of my my fellow teachers about uh, one where somebody hacked into the meeting and started spamming this eighth grade social studies teachers meeting with his students uh, with with porn or pornography. Uh, it was not a student that did it. They have not determined who it was. They think it was somebody who was just randomly hacking into Zoom meetings uh, and they hadn't put a password protection on it or anything. And then the other one was uh, another teacher had uh, his his students were sending out the link. And so kids were who were not in his class were coming in and they would they would join the meeting, they would yell uh, obscenities, and then they would leave the meeting very quickly. And so I, I get the concern of how secure is it to do these drafts digitally. Uh, I think you make a really good point. You're the you're the NFL. You're a multi billion dollar industry. Just make it work. I mean, you can't be that. You you cannot be that inept at your job that you're worried about getting, you know, with the fifth pick and the, I mean, come on. And how hard is that? You know, with the 15th pick in the 2020 NFL draft, the Denver Broncos select, here's the pick. I, I'm sorry. If you screw that up, you probably should be fired. They can't get the best it people to get a secure network to do this. I, and Jeff Esri made the joke about how some of the teams were worried that, other teams or other people are going to hack into these. <laughs> and Jeff made a great point. Like there's one team that missed out on re-signing one of their own free agents because they couldn't send a fax. We're worried about people hacking into these in the NFL when the unnamed organization couldn't send a fax. Now there is one person in one team. I would be worried about doing that hacking into other people we've mentioned this person before already. I have no doubt in my mind, Bill Belichick, Robert Kraft and the new England Patriots would do everything they can to hack into 31 other teams GM's houses and their networks to find out what they're going to do with their drafts. Probably, I have no doubt in my mind. He's probably already trying they're it. Probably already working on it. They've got some guy in a Boston Bruins Jersey standing at uh, you know, the GM's houses of other teams like, messing with their internet or something like that. Like, dude, you're in a Boston Bruins jersey. Everybody knows it's you. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I wouldn't be surprised if the Patriots got caught hacking into some Zoom meetings or whatever, uh, trying to figure out what other teams were doing and, and those kinds of things. So that wouldn't surprise me. But, uh, again, I, I kind of go back to this idea that it's it, you can't be that bad at your job. You just you just can't. And so – do do your job. And if you're if here's the other thing I will say, if you're really that concerned, go old school, set up a telephone. Everybody calls into your telephone meeting and then you you call Roger Goodell and you say, hey, Roger, we're going to pick this guy. And then Roger makes the announcement from his I assume from his office, I guess, with his with his Zoom camp. I don't know how they're going to do that. I don't really care. But I mean, if you're really worried about teams hacking you then just don't use your computer. It's, it's that simple. There, and I can fixed we, it. 
Can we do away with the wireless earphones that you see on NFL Network, all the reporters wearing? Like, really, do we have to wear these wireless? I, I just, I, I, I go back it, to the joke that I've made. It, 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 it always reminds me of something about Mary. And if you haven't seen the movie, something about Mary, every team, every time I see somebody wearing those, I think to myself, is that hair gel? And I, I know that that's, that may be over some of your heads. Go watch it. Brett Favre's in it. It's a football movie. So go watch it. It's, it's a very good movie. It's very funny. It's, and I, and it still holds up. Oh, absolutely. I, it's not technically a football movie, but there's football in it and Brett Favre. It, it will be interesting to see how they do it. And one of the things that they've talked about doing is a mock draft. And I wonder, are they going to do it? Are they going to be smart enough to not actually do a mock draft and let people know what they're going to do with their pick? Or will they do like a previous year's draft and they just redo it? to get an idea of the test run and because a test run would be the smart thing to do. So they're probably not going to do it since it's the NFL. Yeah. I, I mean, obviously they're going to, they're going to do it the wrong way and they're going to screw it up. I, I, I mean, it's again, how difficult is it? It's not, it's not difficult. Just, just do it. It'll be fine. Well, when you have a league that, can't determine what is and isn't a catch the easiest thing to do of course they're gonna screw this up you've been listening to mile high report radio get involved in the discussion at milehighreport.com and as always go broncos anatomy of an ad subconsciously trigger emotions through music perfect Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did to create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.